Vincent Ford was not a songwriter, and yet if you were to look up the name Vincent Ford, you would find several songwriting credits. He was not a songwriter. Instead, Vincent Ford ran a soup kitchen in the city of Trenchtown, Jamaica. Now, some of you may recognize the name Trenchtown. That is mentioned in the Bob Marley song, No Woman, No Cry, where he sings, I remember when we used to sit in the government yard in Trenchtown. This is now the second song in a row where I have sung during the sermon. I do not intend to make a third. I don't, I don't intend to do that again. But Bob Marley sang of, of Trenchtown. It was his hometown. And he appreciated the work that Vincent Ford did in feeding the poor, feeding the hungry there in the city of Trenchtown. And he wanted to support his friend's work. And so when he wrote the song, No Woman, No Cry, and a few other songs, he gave songwriting credits to Vincent so that the royalty checks would come to him and that he could continue to feed the poor. He could continue to to support that soup kitchen, a soup kitchen where, where Marley himself had had to go to eat when he was poor. We used to cook the porridge that I share with you, he sings in the song. Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, verse 20, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Hear that carefully because we just got done with a study of the Beatitudes from the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. And it's there that Matthew has Jesus saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, but not Luke. Luke is talking about the physically poor, the destitute. He's talking about those who financially are not capable of caring for themselves. And so Jesus speaks these words, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Those blessings of those beatitudes flow because there are people in this world, people who are part of the kingdom, who take that call to care for the poor seriously. We're looking at the group identities in the Bible. Identities that are given to us as the church. Christians as a group. We call this study, This Is Us. Who we are together. This is who we are together. These are identities that unite us. These are identities that move us together. These are identities that give us as a group as a church, our mission. Two weeks ago, we looked at the identity of the way in the gospel, or excuse me, in the book of Acts. The Christians there in the early days of the church chose to identify themselves as followers of the way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. They became followers of the way. That's how the church chose to identify themselves. Last week, we looked at sojourners or travelers, maybe even the word strangers. It's in First Peter, when the church begins to be scattered, when they are persecuted and they are scattered, Peter reminds them that this world is not their home. They're just passing through. And so he says, you are sojourners here in this world. But it's Jesus who calls us the poor. That's the title that Jesus gives to His followers. He says we are the poor. Blessed are you who are Poor. That's the name He chose for us. I feel like that's a, a primary identity. It's an identity that comes straight from Him. And if we're going to understand who Jesus calls us to be together, we need to understand ourselves as the poor. We're looking at Luke chapter 14 today, verses 12-24. through 24. If you follow along in the blue Bible in front of you, it's page 870. 
4, 874. Uh, if you're following along on a device, if you're following along on a, uh, an iPad or a, an iPhone or Android phone, you can go to the Bible app and you can find the sermon references there also. Luke chapter 14, beginning in verse 12. This is just part, this is a small part of a much larger story that fills the whole chapter of, uh, of Luke, this whole chapter of Luke. Jesus is invited to a party. You know, I, I bet Jesus was fun at parties. I bet Jesus was great at a party. I bet he got invited to a lot of parties once. <laughs> I bet he didn't get invited back very often. But I bet they invited him to a lot of parties just once. And sitting there, or reclining there at the table, <clears throat> sitting there in a position, <clears throat> in the position of the honored guest, the host had pulled out all the stops for Jesus had thrown this tremendous banquet. And Jesus, sitting there at the head of the table, he says to the host, well, we read about it beginning in verse 12. Verse 12, he also said to the man who had invited him, who had invited Jesus, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. There's a question I never asked my parents. A question I never asked my parents because as a child it never occurred to me to ask them the question, and by the time I knew the answer, uh, there was no point in asking the question. But it's a question that we would ask of Jesus as we read this text today. It's a question we would ask of Jesus if we are to hear Him for Himself. We would ask that question, are we poor? I never thought to ask that as a child. It never occurred to me to ask the question, are we poor? living in our shack of a house that had been drugged by ox sledge from Heightsville to the place where it now still remains, with our ancient cars, it never occurred to me to ask whether or not we were poor. With our hand-me-down black and white TV, it never occurred to me that we might be poor. Nothing felt poor. We always had enough food. We caught a lot of it ourselves, <laughs> hunted a lot of it ourselves, we raised a lot of it ourselves. Our cabinets were full, our cabinets were always full, mostly stuff that mom had canned, and the freezer was full of stuff that she had frozen. Nothing felt poor. And then in 1985, I went to college, and I had to fill out financial aid forms, and to fill out the financial aid forms, I had to look at dad's tax return and I took a look at what the old man had made the year before and I went, oh, is that all? Is that what we're living on? And yet somehow we were able to take care of ourselves. And in fact, we were able to share with other people. The man whose house Jesus is eating at is a wealthy man. He is a man of influence. He is able to throw a lavish party and Jesus, laying there, reclining at the table, eating this man's food, drinking his wine, Jesus 
has the audacity to say to the man, you've invited the wrong people to this party. You should have invited the poor. You should have invited people who can't pay you back. If you had any idea how blessed you really are, you wouldn't be looking for your reward here. You don't realize the reality of of your own poverty. You don't know how much you rely on God. One of the obstacles for Jesus' host to take those words seriously was in order to do so, he would have had to have left his social circle. You see, the, the whole invitation list at a banquet like that, the whole invitation list is built on the notion that if I throw a big enough party and I invite you, then you'll throw an even bigger party and you'll invite me back. And we'll just keep perpetuating this. Week after week, month after month, season after season, we will throw these extravagant banquets. I'll invite you, you invite me, and we maintain the status quo. But what happens when you invite someone and they don't invite you back? Or what happens when you throw a party that wasn't quite up to the standards and suddenly no one invites you to their party? Where does your social standing go and Where's your next meal going to come from? And so Jesus' warning to both His host and His audience to us is when you only invite to be repaid, you miss out on the true riches. You miss out on the true blessing. Verse 14, you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Do you hear the certainty in that promise? It's not, you know, if I throw a big enough party, then I get invited to your party. If I, if I, do, if I do well enough, I, I get to stay in this social circle. No, there is a certainty here. You will be repaid. In their social circle, the question was, is my banquet good enough for them? And, and so you have this rat race, this social circle going, but verse 14 has this certainty because you have removed yourself from that rat race, and now you're looking for your blessing from God. They, they could go broke. They could go broke trying to keep up with the social circle and who invites whom. But Jesus wants His hosts, He wants all of us to realize this, the depths of our poverty is met with the riches of God's grace. The depths of our poverty that is met with the riches of God's grace. In telling His host to invite the poor to dinner, Jesus is asking the host to identify himself with the poor make sure that you catch that for what jesus is saying to us through this parable he's not just addressing us as the poor he's also addressing us as the host understand that our identity our identity changes who we are and how we view others and the very next verse is a reaction to this this call from jesus the, the next verse is a reaction to Jesus' call to to welcome and to identify with the poor look at verse 15 When one of those who was reclining at table with him heard these things, he said to Jesus, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Whoa, whoa, hold on. Did you hear that? Did you hear what verse 15 is? Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. What do you call a statement like that? That is a beatitude. Yeah. This man has made up his own beatitude. It is a statement of blessing. 
He, he follows the formula. Blessed is, and this is what happens. But he misses the point. Because again, back in Luke chapter 6, verse 20, Jesus has said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. In fact, the very next verse there in Luke 6, verse 21, Blessed are those who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. You're not here because you've earned a place at the table. You're here because of grace. Jesus has to remind His guests of how we got our seat at His table. Verse 16, Jesus said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I've bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen. I have to go examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have been married. I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported all these things to his master, and then the master of the house became angry and said to his servants, go quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. A lot has been said about these excuses over the years. The main point of the excuses is that they're ridiculous. The one guy forgot that he got married. Just slipped his mind. Oh, I got married. I, I can't come to your party. But here's the key to all of those excuses. Rejecting an invitation was done to make the host look bad. The only reason you rejected an invitation wasn't because you forgot or you had some other priority. You rejected the invitation to make the host look bad. It was a way of snubbing the host and saying, I'm not coming to your party. In fact, what about the third man? He forgot that he got married. What's he going to do? He's going to have a party. He's going to have a reception. He's going to have his own banquet. And isn't it interesting that the host of this one didn't know anything about that? He didn't get invited. In fact, I would go so far as to say that those other two, they were, they're going to that man's banquet probably. They're making up excuses. There's a little difference in that. And so, they're snubbing, they're snubbing the host. When we forget that we are the poor, we suddenly have big opinions about what we deserve. Whose table we should be at who belongs at our table and we all forget that we are only here by grace it is grace alone that puts us here see it's not about being comfortable with your place at the table it's about being compassionate with who you invite to your table when we really understand the grace of god when we really understand the grace that saved us the grace that gives you a place at his table and a promise at his banquet in the resurrection you will Fill your table with those that others reject. You will open your arms to those who feel like they have nothing, like they have no one. That's what Jesus means when He calls us, when He calls His followers the poor. He wants us to see that when we understand, when we understand that we are the poor, there is no one that we cannot reach for Jesus. The invitations have been sent. 
The invitations have been rejected. The guests are not coming. The Master says in verse 21, go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. I want you to notice there, he says, go out to the streets and the lanes of the city. In other words, these people may be poor. They may be destitute. They, they, they may have problems, but they are still in the city. They still belong to us. They're still, they still have a place in the community. But yet there's still room. And so in verse 22, the servant comes back and says, Sir, what you have commanded has been done and there is still room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste of my banquet. There's a... You want you to notice here, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where they're from. It doesn't matter what they've done. All that matters is these people are now invited. There's a distinction in verse 23 with this third group that's invited. It's not just the poor. It's not just those who are, uh, who are poor. These people are rejected. They do not live within the community. They are not part of the city. Go out to the highway and the hedges. Who lived in the highway and the hedges? Well, robbers. Remember? Parable of the, of the Good Samaritan. Who's out there in the highway? It's robbers. It's bandits. It's bad guys. Who's outside the city walls? It's the unclean. It's the lepers. It's people that nobody want. Those who, those who, are, who are unclean. And the Master says, go get them. In fact, in verse 23, He says, you compel them to come. Twist their arms if you have to. Drag them back here. Compel them to come in. Bring them into My house. What he's calling for isn't just hospitality. It is insistent hospitality. There's some people in our, there's some people in our community. There's some people in your sphere of influence. There's some people within our friendships. Some people that we know who have been made to feel so unwelcome in this world that they don't know how to be welcomed. They have made such a mess of things that they've been told where they're not welcome and, and where they cannot be. And they don't know how to be welcome anymore. Compel those people to come in, Jesus says. So do we drag them in? <laughs> Maybe. But first we go to them like the servants. And we let them know we want you here. We want you to be with us. There is a place for you here, when we understand that we are the poor, there is no one that we can't reach for Jesus. We filled the, filled the candy dish today with Tootsie Rolls. I don't know if some of you have grabbed a Tootsie Roll or two. I have a memory that comes back every time I see the little, these little Tootsie Rolls. I think I was in fifth grade when we got a new student in our class. I think his name was Mike. He wasn't there very long. But Mike and his sister came to Kansas to school. They were Native Americans. We didn't know to call them Native Americans at the time. I think maybe his parents were migrant workers because they came a couple of different times. They would come for a while and then they would be gone and come back and then be gone. And it was very obvious that they didn't have much. And it was very obvious that Mike probably didn't belong in the fifth grade because he was a lot bigger than the rest of us. I, I think Mike was shaving <laughs> in the fifth grade. The teacher assigned me to help Mike with his reading. 
I wasn't much help, and Mike wasn't much of a reader. But I'll know, every time I see a Tootsie Roll, I think of Mike. I think about walking into the walking into Eckerd's one day in the summer to get a snack. Mom had given me a few bucks, and I went up, and I probably bought a comic book, and I probably bought a candy bar, and I probably bought a soda. There was always a bowl of Tootsie Rolls sitting there right where Minnie would check you out, you know. There's a bowl of Tootsie Rolls and a little sign. I think it said that they were a, they were a penny apiece. Penny apiece. I hate I hated Tootsie Rolls. I mean, when you get done trick-or-treating and you look at the bottom of your sack and there's Tootsie Rolls, that is the last thing you dig out of there. You're digging out everything else. The Tootsie Rolls are done, and by the time you get around to eating them, they probably just need to chuck them anyway. I did, I did not care for Tootsie Rolls. And so I was standing there probably with my Snickers bar or, ooh, maybe a... Maybe a Reese's peanut butter cup, you know. I have one of those. That'd have been a good day. My candy bar, my 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 comic book, and probably my Fago Pop or whatever it was that I'd bought that day. And Mike and his sister walked in and they were picking up a few things for their parents. He had a list and he had some money and I remember him going around and buying stuff. And he got there to the he got there where Minnie was checking him out. She told him what the total was and he handed her the money and then he looked at the change in his hand. And he looked and counted it. He had this smile on his face and he pointed to the bowl and he said, two Tootsie Rolls. And he handed Minnie two pennies. Like I can hear him when he said it. I can still hear him in my head. Because Mike, in fifth grade, he had, he had a voice like this. You know? but again, I think he was a little older than that. He said, two, two Tootsie Rolls. And I watched him get those like they're the best prize he could have gotten. And he smiled and he handed one to his sister and he kept one for himself. I was standing there with my comic book, my candy bar, and my soda. And I realized in that moment, we're not poor. We've got more than enough. Mike, Mike and his family was poor. And Mike was happy with candy that I would reject. <laughs> he was happy with candy that I would throw away. It's been over over 40 years, and I don't look at a Tootsie Roll without thinking of Mike. I don't look at a Tootsie Roll without thinking there are people in this world who are doing very well with very little, but they need my love, they need my care, and they need a place at our table. Vincent Ford was not a songwriter, but Bob Marley gave Vincent Ford songwriting credits for, for several of his songs to support the soup kitchen that he ran. Bob Marley once said, some people are so poor, all they have is money. <laughs> when the church began to grow in the book of Acts, they began to find new identities. They quickly moved out of that identity of being, of being followers of the way. And as they welcomed more people into the church, as they welcomed some strange people into the church, it became necessary for them to go back to Jerusalem and have a conference and talk about how are we going to do this? How are we going to welcome these new people into the church? And so they, in Acts chapter 15, they, they, they meet up in Jerusalem. They hand down these directives on what they were going to teach, how they were going to spread the Gospel, and how they were going to live together as this new community. And years later, the Apostle Paul, reflecting on that meeting, he writes in Galatians chapter 2, Verse 10, he writes, only they asked us this. They only asked us to do this. 
Remember the poor. And Paul said, that was the very thing I was eager to do. Remember the poor. You know, it's not just about throwing money at, at their problems. We have an amazing benevolence ministry in this church. We do some incredibly good things in this community. There are stories that, that we tell of, of, of the good works that we do and the amazing things that the gifts that we receive, the benevolence gift, do in this community. We do amazing things with the buckets, with the generous buckets. And there are people in this town who have stories of grace. They have stories of God helping them because of what we have done with the generous buckets. But you know, the benevolence ministry, the generous buckets, that's, that's not the end of our ministry to the people around us. That cannot be the full extent of us caring for the poor, remembering the poor. It's about offering friendship. It's about letting people know that they belong. It's about offering them a place at this table and they're not going to hear that. They're not going to get that until we admit just how poor we are. So do not forget that we are, we are the poor. Do not forget that in how you invite others. Do not forget that in how we share with others. We are offering them what we have freely received. The grace that saves us all. The grace that makes us one and binds us together. And the grace that promises us a seat at God's banquet table. I'm going to sing here in a moment. Oh, how He loves you and me. And I hope, I hope we can hear that as bigger than just you and me. There are people out there who have not yet encountered the grace of God. There are people out there that have been made to feel like they, they don't fit into a place like this. They might not be welcome. We can send out invitations. We can have wonderful VBS programs for the kids but until we make those one-on-one -on -one connections until we are willing to to say you're my friend and i want to help you and i want to be there for you and i care about you they may never hear the good news of his grace remember the poor the very thing we are eager to do let's pray and we'll sing father we thank you that in our in our poverty, You came to us. Blessed are the poor in spirit. and You gave us Your kingdom. Father, we also hear Jesus' call there in Luke. Blessed are You who are poor. And we acknowledge all that we don't have. And all that we rely on from You. Lord, there are some people who are so poor, all they have is money. There are some people in our lives who desperately need to know that they have friends and they have people who love them, people who care for them, and people who welcome them to the table. We thank you for the, for the bread, for the cup that remind us of what the price was that bought us a place at this table. And we ask, Lord, for your, your grace not only to receive that for ourselves, but to extend that to others that they might know the blessings that we have for them, the blessings that we have to share with them. Thank you again for the gift of giving us your son. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.